Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Amateur Austinite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. With me today is my returning guest, Emma. Hello. And we're going to be discussing Letter 14 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. So this is from Mr. De Porcy, aka Reggie, to Sir Reginald, his father, from Churchill. My dear sir, I have this moment received your letter, which has given me more astonishment than I ever felt before. I am to thank my sister, I suppose, for having represented me in such a light as to injure me in your opinion and give you all this alarm. I know not why she should choose to make herself and her family uneasy by apprehending an event which no one but herself, I can affirm, would ever have thought possible. To impute such a design to Lady Susan would be taken from her every claim to that excellent understanding which her bitterest enemies have never denied her, and equally low must sink my pretensions to common sense if I am suspected of matrimonial views in my behaviour to her. Our difference of age must be an insuperable objection, and I entreat you, my dear father, to quiet your mind, and no longer harbour a suspicion which cannot be more injurious to your own peace than to our understandings. I can have no other view in remaining with Lady Susan than to enjoy for a short time, as you have yourself expressed it, the conversation of a woman of high intellectual powers. If Mrs. Vernon would allow something to my affection for herself and her husband in the length of my visit, she would do more justice to us all. But my sister is unhappily prejudiced beyond the hope of conviction against Lady Susan. From an attachment to her husband, which in itself does honour to both, she cannot forgive the endeavours at preventing their union, which have been attributed to selfishness in Lady Susan. But in this case, as well as in many others, the world has most grossly injured that lady by supposing the worst, where the motives of her conduct have been doubtful. Lady Susan had heard something so materially to the disadvantage of my sister as to persuade her that the happiness of Mr. Vernon, to whom she was always much attached, would be wholly destroyed by the marriage. And this circumstance, while it explains the true motives of Lady Susan's conduct and removes all the blame which has been so lavished upon her, may also convince us how little the general report of anyone ought to be credited, since no character, however upright, can escape the malevolence of slander. If my sister, in the security of retirement, with as little opportunity as inclination to do evil, could not avoid censure, we must not rashly condemn those who, living in the world and surrounded with temptations, should be accused of errors which they are known to have the power of committing. I blame myself severely for having so easily believed the slanderous tales invented by Charles Smith to the prejudice of Lady Susan, as I am now convinced how greatly they have traduced her. As to Mrs. Mannering's jealousy, it was totally his own invention, and his account of her attaching Miss Mannering's lover was scarcely better founded. Sir James Martin had been drawn in by that young lady to pay her some attention, and as he is a man of fortune, it was easy to see her views extended to marriage. It is well known that Miss M is absolutely on the catch for husband, and no one therefore can pity her for losing, by the superior attractions of another woman, the chance of being able to make a worthy man completely wretched. Lady Susan was far from intending such a conquest, and on finding how warmly Miss Mannering resented her lover's defection, determined in spite of Mr. and Mrs. Mannering's most urgent entreaties to leave the family. I have reason to imagine she did receive serious proposals from Sir James, but her removing to Langford immediately on the discovery of his attachment must acquit her on that article with any mind of common candour. You will, I am sure, my dear sir, feel the truth of this, and will hereby learn to do justice to the character of a very injured woman. 
I know that Lady Susan in coming to Churchill was governed only by the most honourable and amiable intentions. Her prudence and economy are exemplary. Her regard for Mr. Vernon equal even to his deserts, and her wish of obtaining my sister's good opinion merits a better return than it has received. As a mother, she is unexceptionable. Her solid affection for her child is shown by placing her in hands where her education will be properly attended to. But because she has not the blind and weak partiality of most mothers, she is accused of wanting maternal tenderness. Every person of sense, however, will know how to value and commend her well-directed affection, and will join me in wishing that Frederica Vernon may prove more worthy than she has yet done of her mother's tender care. I have now, my dear father, written my real sentiments of Lady Susan. You will know from this letter how highly I admire her abilities and esteem her character. But if you are not equally convinced by my full and solemn assurances that your fears have been most idly created, you will deeply mortify and distress me. I am, etc., etc. Ah, de Corsi. That's an interesting one. I like to think of this as the bouncing letter because it's written at Churchill, Reggie sends it to his father at Parklands and his mother sends it back from Parklands to Churchill to her daughter. This is a great brother-sister scrapping letter. They're in the same house and not talking to each other. Well, they are talking to each other. They're talking to each other daily. But he's really, really pissed off with the interference of his sister. And um, he's having a crack at her to their father. Yeah, and he doesn't refer to her as my sister or Catherine. He refers to her as Mrs. Vernon. He's pretty close. Oh, no, he, does, he does say my sister a bit yeah, later, later than on that. He does. But he says something about allowing his affection for herself and her husband in the length of his visit, which really echoes something similar that his sister said. Yes, she said, it's not the hunting. It's not his affection for us. It's Lady Susan and Reginald saying, oh, it's my affection for my sister and her husband that makes me stay. He comments that the difference in age is an insuperable objection. She'll see if he still feels like that in a few letters' time. Because it is 12 years. For a man to be 12 years older than a woman in any time period, not a big deal. But for a woman to be 12 years older, almost always a big deal. He's outraged that anyone could be thinking that he could possibly have matrimonial designs on Lady Susan at this point. He manages to get some compliments into her... She has an excellent understanding, which even her bitterest enemies have never denied. Everyone knows how smart she is. Yet you cannot say that she is twisting you around her little finger because she's smarter than you. He also compliments her as a mother and that she doesn't have the blind and weak partiality of most mothers. For blind and weak partiality, we could read love. He does refer to her tender care, but... Yeah, she is pushing her daughter away from her. I don't want to have to deal with her. I'm going to put her in school. Well, you can just hear Lady Susan's justifications of her behaviour loud and clear. She needs the education. All the way through. He's repeating exactly what Lady Susan has told him in the shrubbery. And you can tell because everything's really vague. There's no actual explanations. She heard something so materially to the disadvantage of my sister 
But he won't say what it is. <laughs> well, he doesn't know Very what it vague. is. I love that. The word is something. She heard something. And Reginald doesn't know what the something is. And you seem to really like the phrase malevolence of slander. It is what a primary school teacher would tell their children is juicy writing. If my sister in the security of retirement with as little opportunity as inclination to do evil. Hmm. Could not avoid censure. So the only censure that his sister has had is the censure that was invented by Lady Susan. But he is saying my sister has no intention to do bad things. She's also had no opportunity. But Lady Susan obviously has lots of opportunities. So people are going to think that she has. Doesn't say anything about her intentions though. Mr. Smith has obviously made everything up. He's a big liar. Why? Why is he lying? Why is he creating these scandalous tales? It's a big change in a short space of time. He was so very certain that Mr. Smith was a reliable witness back in letter four. And here we are in letter 14 and poor old Mr. Smith has become completely unreliable. It's probably only been a month since that letter. She's just really good at this, Lady Susan, isn't she? He really has picked up her wording. Because not only is he saying that Charles Smith has made all this up, but he starts bitching about Miss Mannering. She's on the catch for her husband. But aren't all women? No one can pity her for losing to the superior attractions of another woman. The chance of being able to make a worthy man completely miserable. No man really wants to get married. And Lady Susan's obviously superior to her anyway. And it kind of feels like victim blaming in a way. Yeah, why is Miss Mannering necessarily going to make Sir James wretched? And it's her job to try and get a husband. (laughs) They're all supposed to be trying to get husbands. It does exactly what Lazy Susan's trying to do for Frederica with the same man. But the looking down on her and still seeing Lady Susan is great. You can hear Lady Susan's words in there. However, Reggie thinks that Sir James proposed to Lady Susan. I mean, he did, but for Frederica. So she's kind of hinted to him. That Sir James is interested, and that was her reason for leaving. Probably because she needed to give a reason for leaving Langford. True, because it clearly is saying that Mr. and Mrs. Mannering urgently entreated her to stay. But Miss Mannering wanted her to leave. At the very least, Mrs. Mannering threw her out. There were no urgent entreaties coming from Mrs. Mannering. The other thing Lady Susan's been doing is running Frederica, her daughter, down to Reggie, wishing that Frederica Vernon may prove more worthy than she has yet done of her mother's tender care. So Reggie has never met Frederica and has no idea whether she is or is not worthy. So he's had that from Lady Susan. This poor girl, though, everyone talks shit about her. No one's had a nice thing to say. Even Mrs. Vernon is like, thank God she's not coming with her mother. She must be a nightmare. She's completely uneducated. She might be like her mother. It's odd, though, that Lady Susan feels the need to run down her daughter. The only thing I can think is having a daughter that age shows her age. She doesn't want to be in competition with her daughter. But what she's saying is that she's an ungrateful daughter a substandard daughter and if she's trying to get 
help with the child or she's trying to get ahead in the world, you would have thought that she would be promoting her daughter for insurance against future need. That's a good point. Maybe it's a fail-safe in case Frederica talks shit about her mother. True. Because she can't say, I have a wonderful relationship with my daughter, if Frederica ever comes on the scene to prove that's not the case. Undermining her in advance. So people will not believe her when she's like, my mother's trying to force me to marry Sir James. Please help. Or maybe it's she hasn't actually thought it through that much. Maybe she just needs to be the queen of the hen house. I mean, her daughter is of no use to her. If she was of use to her, she might treat her with affection, but she's kind of not. She seems to be more something to get rid of. It's a missed opportunity. Like people who have cute puppies to pick up girls or boys? Exactly. Mind you, I can't really cast aspersions on Lady Susan's strategies because she's a master and I'm just an acolyte at her feet. Oh, and I wanted to say something about Reginald de Courcy's name because I've said in a previous letter that I imagined Sir Reginald de Courcy wearing a suit of armour and... I have realised why I think of them as old-fashioned. It's because, and I think Jane Austen wanted me to think this, I have special ESP connection with Jane Austen. (laughs) Um, So, de Courcy is French, Norman. So, they've come across with William the Conqueror back in 1066. And so, this title, this baronetcy, is about 700 years old. So that is why I think they are establishment and kind of old school. And hair coursing. Hair coursing is when you set your greyhounds on a hair to chase a hair. So it's a form of hunting. I think this is a name that's been chosen to show us that they are old-fashioned and that Reginald is being hunted. I think he's the hare. He thinks he's a greyhound. He thinks he's a flirt. And he's going to hunt Lady Susan. But actually, he's the hare. Because I was thinking when he was talking about I'm staying to do the hunting, that yes, also he's being hunted by Lady Susan and it all fits. Mm. Because in theory, he's there to hunt with Mr Vernon. Yes. One of the other things he says about Lady Susan, he praises her prudence and economy as exemplary. I've talked about before with Lady Susan is her dissipation. One of Sir Reginald's concerns about her is her extravagance and dissipation that were gross and notorious, that no one could be ignorant of them, nor can now have forgotten them. Reggie just throws in that now she's good at economy, but like everything else in this letter, there's nothing to back it up. I wonder what example Lady Susan can possibly have used. Okay. Maybe she's wearing the same black dress every day to convince him of that. I am but a poor widow. With this very comely black dress which suits me extremely. Don't I look young and pretty? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not paying the school fees. It's very economical and prudent. Technically that is very economical. <laughs> I'm also not paying any rent, not paying for my food. Not paying for my entertainment. She's actually being very frugal. Probably not what she said to Reggie, though. She's good at talking. She's good at convincing. 
She doesn't need any solid facts. And this letter is lacking in any solid facts. Because he is echoing things that she said to him. It's okay, Dad. I'm not going to marry her. Actually, she's great, but I'm totally not going to marry her. He's putty in her hands. I know. She's so great. He fell so quickly. So quickly. He's considered to be a man of good judgment. But he is young. He's only like 22, 23. So he hasn't been out in the world terribly long. Coming of age was 21. And he's probably only met nice people before. The decorses do seem to be very nice people and kind of old-fashioned, traditional. Yeah, it's all that wandering around in suits of armour. <laughs> and the shrubbery. <laughs> the shrubbery. <laughs> I always think of Monty Python when we talk about shrubbery. And that is our summary of Letter 14 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. My name's Frances Duncan. All my socials will be linked in the notes. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!